I guess my concern is for those that want to put some money into this, they need to understand the short-term volatility. So anything like margin trading on this is just insane. Please don't do it because you'll get stopped out. You know, and we see this again and again in markets. And the other thing I want to discuss today a little bit is, you know, as I say, last year we talked about Bitcoin, we talked about Ethereum, and it might be useful to get updates on both of those and where we are with them. But the last time I looked, and I'm probably out of date, but the last time I looked, there were something like 3,000 crypto coins on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and my worry is there's, there's some really big punting going on in these very, very small coins. And it can all sound terribly exciting, but it's all, well, in some cases, it's wildly illiquid. Um, and so what I'd like to discuss with Sam today, you know, as sort of a form of, not advice, but guidance, if you like, to people who are interested in this space. And by the way, I think, I think amongst the Fortune and Freedom gang, there's about three times the number interested this year that were last year. So it is growing. It's, it's, it's you know, how to do this sensibly. And if, if one's gonna look at the smaller coins, you know, what are the warning signs to look for? I think that might be quite useful. Uh, for people. Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this week in review with Nigel Farage. And we have a special guest with us, Sam Volkering. Sam, I noticed that you haven't quite got the background that Nigel does with his uh, his festive Christmas theme, let alone me with absolutely nothing. You've got the LEDs up. Uh, so I do, I've got festive going on at my house, mate. Don't, don't, you, don't you worry about that. There's plenty of festivity going in the Volkering household. I still prefer Nigel's lighting. <laughs> Fair enough. So, um... For this video, we wanted to talk about cryptocurrencies, uh, the big and the small, the household names and, and the more secretive ones. But before we get into that, Nigel, you wanted to remind the readers where we were a year ago. Yeah, I mean, almost exactly a year ago, um, I introduced Fortune and Freedom readers to Sam Volkering and Sam and I sat down um, in London offices and we talked about the whole crypto space uh, to an audience many of whom would just kind of have heard of it, but wouldn't really know much about it and would be naturally quite cautious about something that is completely, you know, for them out of left field. So we talked a bit about it uh, this time last year. We talked about Bitcoin. We talked about Ethereum in particular and how it offered more than being just a means of exchange. And, you know, the message was, if you're not exposed to this space, you know, you probably ought to be in some way, however modest that may be. Um, and that's that's where we were a year ago. And I'm very pleased we did, because uh, to me, and I'm not the expert, but to me, I think two things have happened since we last had this conversation with Fortune and Freedom. One, yes, the prices are up significantly from when we had that conversation, albeit in very volatile market conditions. But the other thing uh, that I've seen, because I spent... Um, I managed to escape lockdown. It wasn't easy, but I spent two months in America um, in May and June of this year. And I spent time in Miami. I met Mr. Suarez, the mayor of Miami. And so I've seen how in the States, um, cryptocurrency is now becoming 
so widely accepted uh, that in some parts of America, it is basically mainstream. You know, there are there are crypto uh, machines just as just as you know, as we go to the hole of the wall uh, to get sterling here. Um, and that Miami actually intends to become the first crypto city in the sense that, you know, you can just tap and buy a Starbucks coffee uh, using crypto. So I think they're, they're the two big things that have happened. Number one, prices up significantly from when we first introduced people, albeit, as I say, it's volatile, but they're well up. But the other is this, you know, the Chinese can try and ban it. You can get the Bank of England and people here talking it down. But you know something, guys, when it happens in America, it does happen here and it happens with everything. So they're just my two big observations, Nick, a year on. I think, Nigel, you're fond of telling an anecdote along the lines of uh, when you won the 2014 uh, European elections, you said uh, to your, your crew at the time that, uh, oh my gosh, you'd become respectable and you're going to have to resign. <laughs> and I think, uh, Sam, I wonder whether you're feeling the same way now that the cryptocurrency space has become so mainstream. You know, what are you going to do with yourself now? <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to find something different to to start bringing to people because yeah, once it goes mainstream, I'm like, well, I'm, it's not exactly a fringe idea anymore. But I think you know what what Nigel said is absolutely correct. Um, where we were last year to this year, I mean, a year is not a long time in the grand scheme of things. But when you consider how much has happened in the crypto space this year alone you know like you were saying a lot of a lot of the states or a few of the states at least in america uh, miami in particular texas is another one really mm. starting to push forward with adoption uh, understanding that this is an opportunity uh, a technology opportunity as much as it is you know a, a challenge to a lot of industries you know, it, it's it's interesting, and, and Nigel's got a few years on me, but I'm sure he remembers, you know, days before the internet and when the internet started to roll out and, and you know, the 90s, we had the 90s boom of, uh, of internet stocks and companies, you know, there were skeptical people then. And there, it, it was volatile markets then as well, right? You know, we were fundamentally talking about a whole new kind of technology that was going to impact the world. And so the incumbents and, you know, the Luddites said, oh, no, 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 this is bad. This is not going to catch on. This is a fad. Look how volatile this market is, yada, yada, yada. Ultimately, you know, it's a fabric of our society. It's, it's how we're even talking today. Uh, and people just, just accept it and use it. And look, my view on all of this is that one year is an incredible amount of time to see this kind of development. Now push the boat out 10, 20 years time. What what I see in front of people right now is an opportunity to get in on the ground floor of what is fundamentally a world-changing technology opportunity, uh, and that is the decentralization of, of networks, of authority, of governance, of money, of a whole range of different industries, even how we communicate and transact on a global scale. And so what makes this different to, to cycles and, and technologies past is that everyone has an opportunity to own the fabric of this future. It's not just VCs. It's not just investment banks. It's not the Uber elite already. It is anyone with, with 10 quid to their name has an opportunity to own a stake of what I consider to be, you know, a, a fundamental technology for our future. Nigel, where were you on the internet when it was first getting launched on tech stocks? Well, I could see the um, I could see um, for the military, for example, uh, this was just the most incredible thing that had ever happened. Um, you know, just as radar was, I guess, in the 1930s. I mean, here was this amazing thing that had come along 
Um, and as a military historian, what you learn is that he who seizes the new technology, I mean, like the tank in 1916 or whatever it is, um, you know, has got a chance to be the master. So, no, I was excited about it. Um, but I have to say, I was massively skeptical of the stock market, um, you know, at around about 2000, just thought the whole thing was insane. Um, and I have to tell you, I look at quite a lot of the Nasdaq stocks right now, and I take a very, very similar view. And, and this is where, and this is where on crypto, you know, I am completely with Sam, you know, I bought into this last year. Maybe I was a bit slow to the party, but I bought into this in 2020, which is why I was more than happy to introduce our readers to it last year and to recommend getting some exposure to it. Um, I guess my concern is for those that want to put some money into this, they need to understand the short-term volatility. So anything like margin trading on this is just insane. Please don't do it because you'll get stopped out. You know, and we see this again and again in markets. And the other thing I want to discuss today a little bit is, you know, as I say, last year we talked about Bitcoin, we talked about Ethereum, and it might be useful to get updates on both of those and where we are with them. But the last time I looked, and I'm probably out of date, but the last time I looked, there was something like 3,000 crypto coins on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and my worry is there's, there's some really big punting going on in these very, very small coins. And it can all sound terribly exciting, but it's all, well, in some cases, it's wildly illiquid. Um, and so what I'd like to discuss with Sam today, you know, as sort of, a form of not advice but guidance if you like to people who are interested in this space and by the way i think i think amongst the fortune and freedom gang was about three times the number interested this year that were last year so it is growing it's 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 you know how to do this sensibly and if if one's going to look at the smaller coins you know what are the warning signs to look for i think that might be quite useful uh, for people yeah sam can you take us through what is an altcoin? What's this all about? Is it just bit a copy of Bitcoin or is there something fundamentally different about them? And then also answer those questions that, that uh, Nigel mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And look, everything that Nigel pointed out is a, is a very valid concern. And, and there are elements of that which concern me as well. And, and I'll dive into that. So what is an altcoin? Uh, so th this term altcoin kind of sprung up back in 2011, 12, 2013 as alternative coins to Bitcoin is really what it stands for. So Bitcoin was was the first. And then in that first altcoin boom, we saw, uh, you know, there, there were loads of copycats. So th that meant that because Bitcoin's code is open source, anyone could just take it, copy it and try and launch it. What makes a cryptocurrency or any network successful is scale, growth, participation, trust, belief, same for the monetary system. Anyway, without going too deep into the philosophy of, of all of that, altcoin just means that. That's its origins, an alternative cryptocurrency coin to Bitcoin. So really, when you're talking about altcoins, it's just everything that's not Bitcoin, which really is a horrible term because not everything is just... And it's not like everyone goes... Uh, there's Apple stock and then there's alt stocks, just everything else that's not Apple. You know, so we so I don't understand why we keep using this phrase when in reality, every cryptocurrency, well, not every cryptocurrency, a lot of the cryptocurrencies that are important 
uh, to our future uh, are very different. They have very different mechanisms, have very different objectives. Uh, they function inherently different to Bitcoin. Now, that's not to say there aren't a whole heap of copycats. So in this space, there are loads of projects that will literally copy the code base of a successful cryptocurrency network and then just relaunch it with a new name, um, basically copy the web interface, maybe put some new colors on it, uh, and then just try and pump the value of that crypto. So you find in this space, there are a, and this has been happening, I, I might add, since 2012 and 2013, the first altcoin boom. And I got swept up in it. Don't like, don't get me wrong. I've been here before. I've seen this play out a few times now where cryptocurrency projects launch. They promise the world. It looks amazing. It's so exciting. Everyone's just super happy about it. But in reality, it's a pump and dump scheme where the founders, the people behind it, they're secretive. You don't know who they are. And they try and pump the value. And as the value pumps and, and fear of missing out kicks in, they then dump their entire stakes onto unsuspecting people, price crashes, and people that bought in on the way up and at the top get wrecked. Uh, that's, that is absolutely rampant in the crypto space at the moment. There's even a website called poocoins.com, which tracks these kinds of projects. So it's not like it's not like it's a hidden part. It's like a widely accepted part of the crypto space. There are pump and dump poo coins and people speculate on them, which is just that's insane, right? And like like Nigel said, margin trading on on, on crypto and, and things. It's just it's bonkers because the market is so volatile and there's so many scammy, dodgy projects that are just copy and paste. Of, of something else, just trying to, you know, it, it literally is some some kid in Russia trying to make a quick buck. And so you've, there's, there's so many, there's literally, there's over, there's tens of thousands of different cryptocurrencies, not just on Ethereum, but on all different kinds of blockchains. So it is a, it is a pretty crazy space that uh, people really need to watch their step with. You're not, uh, you're not convincing me to buy any, Sam. What's the, the case for these things? Well, so for a lot of these tiny, illiquid, copy and paste uh, poo coins, there is no case. And the people that speculate on them, um, good luck to them. You, you're probably going to lose your money. But that is really, when you look at the broader scheme of things, while they're many in number, they're actually few in volume. And so what we find is that there are a lot of very exciting projects that are building strong, robust networks that focus on really, you know, key elements of the problems that we face with our online and digital world at the moment. So Ethereum, for example, we've talked about this previously, a good broad way to think about it is a rebuilding of the internet and how we can connect and who can benefit from what gets built on the on the internet being ethereum there are other projects out there as well that are focusing on the privacy and security of your data right so if i send an email to nigel and i use gmail all that data is is basically in the servers of google right so and google use and abuse that data uh, likewise, you send a WhatsApp message. Okay, it's encrypted, but it's also a, a company that's owned by well, what's now called Meta, used to be Facebook, right? So there's some issues around the centralization and control and access and hoarding and manipulation of data. 
But there are a bunch of, of, of crypto networks out there that are, again, building networks that allow people to transact, transfer, share their own data, but have the control of that. Not, you know, Zuckerberg and, and Meta, not Google, not Amazon, not Apple. You have that control. And so while, yeah, there's a lot of dodgy stuff out there in the crypto space, there's plenty of dodgy stocks out there, I might add as well. But fundamentally, there are a number of key uh, crypto networks, crypto projects that will be tomorrow's, in terms of scale and size, in my view, at least, tomorrow's Apple, Amazon, and Google. But with all the benefits of decentralization, of user control, of that shift in power from these, you know, these pillars of uh, connectivity in the digital world we have now, a spread of that back to back to the individual control and power of data, money, uh, information, back to us, back to you, the people watching here today. That's a very big shift in our digital world and in society. I think one well, you of the could call it, you could even call it taking back control, couldn't you? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I think one of the best ways to, to describe this for people who are struggling to understand it is that just as we have cash, the physical cash, and we have digital money in our you know, digital bank accounts, those are two very different forms of money that have very different features. They're useful in different situations, have different rules governing them. And I think in the same way, you can have many different types of cryptocurrencies with many different types of features that are useful in different situations. Now, their value will fluctuate in a different way to cash and, and digital money, but it's the same sort of idea that you, you know, money can have certain features to it. And, uh, and that space is, is the altcoin space where different types of, of money compete with each other. And it's not just money. I, I want to point out, Nick, it's not all just about money, right? So these cryptocurrencies aren't all just trying to be money. There are, there are, there are crypto tokens that are associated with certain networks that play the function of energy rather than money. Now there's an argument that money is energy and energy is money and we, you know, you could you could debate on that till the cows come home, but they're not all. It's not all just about trying to replace the pound or replace the dollar or be a store of value or be digital gold. And I think that's the the knowledge gap that people really fail with is that they just see what's the price of Bitcoin, what's the price of Ethereum, and they just have this inherent link with this crypto token equals money. While there is value attached to some of them, that doesn't necessarily mean they're trying to be money either. Um, and that, and, and I think getting when people can get their head around and understand some of the more basic principles of how cryptocurrencies work, I, the, the term cryptocurrency is a little misleading, really, which is why I don't really like it for the, this broad brush. But when you get to understand what crypto tokens can represent with different networks and how they can create uh, an economy, although without being money, um, you know, that's an important step for people to take in their understanding of how this all works. Nigel, what do you make of the central bank digital currency idea? The idea that governments and central banks are going to jump on this bandwagon for themselves and, and try and take <laughs> over control from, from us uh, instead of the cryptocurrency revolution being the idea of taking back control? Well, they're going to try to do it. Uh, there's a question about that. And this for them would be ultimate control. Over, over the individual, even more control than they're taking with COVID measures and vaccine passports and God knows what else. Um, I think they'll try to make it work, but I think they'll fail completely um, because I think the whole of, you know, one of the objects 
of people getting into this space and into this world and, 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 and actually using this stuff and trading this stuff and buying and selling things with this stuff is they want to be free. Um, it, it, it's one of the allures of this whole space. So, but I've no doubt um, that, that our central banks and governments will spend billions looking at an idea that is bound to fail. Nigel, I would love to live in a world where you know the central bank digital currencies have to compete with the likes of crypto, uh, with the likes of Bitcoin and Ethereum because it would just demonstrate you know what what I've been saying and, and Sam's been saying I think you as well over the years that you know the idea that these institutions can do a good job of managing our financial system. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. No, 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 no. The market does these things so much better. I mean, the market does need. To have some basic rules, of course, and we've always understood that from 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 you know the dawn of Adam Smith writing his books. But um, but yes, no, I I, I look, you know, twenty twenty one is at an end. I have no doubt that twenty twenty two is going to follow a very similar pattern in the sense that there'll be even broader, wider acceptance and usage of these coins. Uh, we haven't even mentioned the whole NFT world. Of course, which has grown off the back of it, which which is just, in terms of the art market and many other areas of life, um, kind of almost taking over the art world. Um, and there's another example, isn't there, of how this technology is beginning to change the world. Now, you know, we haven't got all day to talk about it, but I, I do think that the, I do think that the basic lessons that we tried to impart last year about this space are still good, are still sound. Um, and I think Sam's feeling is we're, ha we're about to have another big leg, another big leg up, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So there are some pretty fundamental changes coming to some of the real, what are effectively the pillars of, of the cryptocurrency world, um, two in the first and second quarter of 2022, which are going to change dramatically how one of the biggest crypto projects on the face of the earth functions. Um, and that that change is going to make people take a very different view of how the whole network works. And importantly, then how applications and, and layers can be built on top of that. Um, I, I use the internet analogy a, a fair bit and it, it's, it's appropriate because if you think about the internet as a fundamental base layer technology, and then you think about all the value and wealth that's been built and added on top of that, you know, the entire app economy, companies like Netflix, Spotify, um, you know, even Peloton, you know, these, these kind of companies don't exist without that underlying technology platform. Uh, that, that's the sort of scale that, that I'm talking about with, with what's coming in 2022. Um, and and you, you just, I just want to quickly as well say, you, you touched on NFTs and that is, we, we've barely even scratched the surface really with what's happening in this space and what's happened in 2021. Another really big part of what's happened in 2021 is people starting to understand that the crypto world can provide them with access to uh, to financial opportunities, bank-like type deposits and, and lending and borrowing. So you can you can live with the crypto world, you know, payment cards. You can have access to to what is effectively an interest account on your cryptocurrencies that is five, nine, 10, 12% returns on stable coins. You don't get that in the traditional financial system. And we're talking like three, four, 500 times the kind of return that you'll get in your high street bank 
uh, interest account. People are starting to switch on and understand that the idea of decentralized finance, which is really a backbone of, of, of how this starts to play out, is providing opportunities that the traditional system cannot provide because of how it, it's been just horribly mismanaged over the last decade uh, and, and then some. So when people start to bridge that knowledge gap and understand that it's not just about the price, we're talking about a much bigger revolution in play and that there are opportunities right now for them to grasp. Um, once you go down that rabbit hole, you don't, you don't come out. But Sam, just one, one final thought on this, because there'll be a lot of people that'll be following this and saying, wow, I mean, you know, the more I learn, the more there is to learn. This is a, and this is a vast subject and we will, it might be quite actually quite interesting in a, in a, few, in a month or two's time to come back and do something just on NFTs, just to, again, educate our people about what's going on out there. Um, but in terms of the price, and, we, and you know, I, I know we've talked more broadly than that, but you're still of the view that the good coins will be significantly higher in a, in, in a year or two's time. Yeah, look, the market is wildly volatile if you look at the values can, you know, converted into pounds or dollars or whatever. So that's a function of the crypto market and, you know, a burgeoning technology. And it's also a function of how garbage the normal economy is being managed at the moment. Um, so my view is that, yes, short term, we will see volatility, but long term, when you, when you know what is happening and you just look at the last year as an example and everything we've talked about today yeah. and you start to push that boat out a little further, five years time, 10 years time, uh, I am of the view that this market continues to rise. I don't see any changes coming from central banks, from government, uh, from the way that they've handled economies for the last decade. I don't see that changing in any great, great rate. Um, and I see incredible development and innovation and growth in the crypto markets. And when you when you get that, when you understand that, then my long view is that yeah, that for the quality projects that are building out that that future that I talk about, uh, then yeah, I, I see there being only one direction with that. And Sam, you have a presentation out or a report that picks out three of the altcoins that you think are going to benefit from all of this. Uh, and there should be a link either on this video or below this video in the description, which can take people to that report and that presentation, depending on when you're watching this. But let's finish on uh, an amusing note, which will come as no surprise to Nigel Farage. The fact that Bitcoin was officially invented by an Australian. Yes, and and and... The man who claims it is now living in leafy stockbroker belt in Surrey. Um, the mail have done double page spreads on him and all the rest of it. Um, is he really the guy? Um, I don't know, Sam. Uh, so, well, the court made a ruling uh, recently which suggests that he could be. He claims that he is. I don't believe that he is. It's my view on it. And there's a plenty load more people that believe he is not the inventor there is no doubt he has been in the space for a long time and certainly knows the thing or two about it but is he satoshi nakamoto the the inventor of bitcoin in my view no not a chance okay <laughs> I, I think we'll leave it there don't forget to check out the link below this video or in this video to check out sam volkering's report on the three altcoins that are set to boom in the shift that He's laid out for us in this video. Nigel and Sam, thanks very much for joining us. And to everyone at home, thanks for joining us as well.